Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Less than a month away from training camp beginning at Grand Park. I'm Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley is across the way. It is inching closer and closer. I always think to myself, July 4th, man, once that comes and goes, the NFL is just knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, yesterday's announcement of the training camp schedule kind of inches us closer to that as well. Uh, So we'll hit on that on today's podcast. I do want to go over kind of my post-spring 53-man roster. Okay. I always enjoy the camp battles that come about from that. Obviously, you have some injuries that will play into that. Uh, But I always enjoy looking at the roster exiting mini camp and then things to watch out for when Grand Park rolls around. Um, We will not do a podcast next week. I'm going to be out of town next week, so... You know, I kind of figure let's just totally decompress from it. We'll come back with a few pods leading into Grand Park, and then here we go, man. Another season. Nice little vacation for the Bones. Yeah, nothing too crazy. My um, wife's family do kind of an annual week up at their lake house in northern Indiana. Yep. So yeah, you've been up, I think, into that I have. same area as well. So looking forward to that. And, yeah, how about you? Are you getting away at all this summer? Uh, so I'm going to go up to Lake Freeman up in Monticello. Yeah. Indiana beach, baby. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to head up there this next weekend and, you know, kind of just decompress. I'm moving out today and tomorrow, which is always fun. Boy. Um, and just great weather to move out, you know, right. That's, that's the worst part about renting and moving in is typically you sign the lease. At least I have in July. (laughs) So you know that every year it's going to be like 92 degrees. You're just right. sweating your ass off. And Great workout if we're going to look at positives. It is, yes. But um, RAC unit broke on Monday, Chris, and I just thought to myself, oh, oh if I just walk up and down these steps like three or four times, that'll be a workout <laughs> for the week. So I just kind of did that. If you carried Rosie a few times, got a good there long you go, body. Little, and yeah. Man, I didn't know I could sweat that much. So. <laughs> well, good luck with that and appreciate you. Make a little time for the pod today. Absolutely. Um, let's start with training camp. Let's Again, go announced for it. Yesterday, July 27th to August 25th. My first impression was that's a little bit longer than they're usually up there. I mean, that's almost a month. Right. Um, 16 open practices. And basically, to kind of summarize when those practices are, 13 of them will fall on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So just look at the weeks from July 27th to August. August 25th, and there's a good bet they're going to practice on one of those Tuesday, Wednesdays, or Thursdays, and they'll practice from, like, noon to 1.30. Now, this is a time change from previous years when they typically practice in the morning. Um, I've said this many times, Chris, in this podcast. Internally, the Colts do not handle the offseason well. Clearly, their approach and their plan to start seasons – is not effective. I look at this training camp schedule and think they're pushing practice to align a little bit more towards lunchtime or towards 1 o'clock, and you play how many of your games at 1 o'clock? Like, that just kind of makes sense to me. I I get it. In the mornings, you want to get out of the heat maybe. Um, Obviously, I would think lunchtime is a little bit more conducive to people maybe on their lunch breaks. Right, yep. I don't know, know, as much as fans probably don't want to hear this, 
I don't think that's the first thing being debated about when they're picking the practice time. I think the first thing they're thinking about is, all right, football operations staff, when do you want to ideally have practice? And then they think about other things after that. A night practice on Saturday, July 30th, that is a little bit unique as well, 7 to 8.30 p.m. there. Their only other weekend practice, which I did find a little bit odd. Um, You know, they're practicing. They have two weekend Two weekends available until the preseason games. The first preseason game is August 13th. So July 30th and August 6th, you know, are two open weekends. They're only practicing on two of those four days. So typically I would think you would want, again, if you want to be out in front of your fans, but that's just not how the practice schedule worked out. Basically it's three days on, a day off, three days on, a day off. So, um looks like a little a few more built-in off days if I'm looking at this correctly yep uh, but yeah Sunday August 7th 12 to 1 30 and then Saturday July 30th 7 to 8 30 those are your weekend practices joint sessions with the Lions August 17th and 18th those will be again in kind of that 12 to 1 30 12 to 2 time slot um, Chris I absolutely love that the Colts go away for training camp I love that they do it in front of their fans and do it for free. Um, that is a rarity in today's NFL. So kudos to them for continuing to do that because that has not been the trend in the NFL. Uh, you know, part of me always had kind of a little sentimental value to Anderson, even to Rose Holman. I was right. at Rose Holman um, just for a brief period. But I understand why they want to be a little bit more centrally located. Grand Park is an incredible venue as well. And when players do get a chance to have off days, off nights, whatever, they can obviously see their family in a much closer capacity than those other spots. So, Absolutely. People can't get out there. I mean, I know the financial demand to go to a professional sporting event is immense. Uh, this is a great opportunity to see them up close. It's, like I said, free. I think autographs will be involved as well. So just a really cool chance for a month to see the Colts. And our listeners uh, will be able to find that schedule on Colts.com, I would imagine, correct? Yep, I would hope someone from our website probably posted it to our website as well. I don't know that for sure. Uh, but, yeah, you can uh, certainly find that over on Colts.com as well. Always fun to get out there. And and that's one of the, the great things about uh, the way Chris Ballard drafts, the character of the player's, they come over after the practices. They sign autographs. They meet with the fans. Yeah, they've great, kind of done it in a variety of ways. Some days just offensive sign. Some uh-huh. days just defensive sign. Uh, I think they switch to maybe like position groups would sign. So I, you know, it, it can um, you know, differ a little bit depending on what day you're there. But yeah, I, uh, always really cool to see little kids and their faces, you know, light up when those players go over there and chat. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, as we approach the season, let's talk about the 53-man roster that you're projecting. Obviously, we're going to start at the top, a key piece that every every team needs, and that's quarterback. What are you thinking about the quarterbacks that stay on this roster? Yeah, I'm totally good with just the two obvious ones, Matt Ryan and Nick Foles. <laughs> Their veteran experience speaks for themselves. Um, Matt Ryan been incredibly durable. I don't look at Sam Ellinger as a number three quarterback and think he is so important to the team. You need to waste a roster spot. Waste might sound a little harsh, but um, I just don't look at him as like, boy, that's a you know a third round pick that you have an investment in and you really want to uh, protect him there. Um, I say slot him out of the practice squad. So um, I guess I'd be cutting Ellinger 
and Jack Cohn, and then signing Ellinger to the practice squad. Behind them, the running backs, there's also two obvious that we know are going to make the roster, but then another wrinkle that came in this offseason through free agency. Who do you think the three running backs will be? You know, that's a good question, Chris. I think this is one of those just kind of fringe battles. Keeping a fourth running back, uh, again, a little bit luxury for me. A third running back, though, Deion Jackson was that guy for long stretches last season, undrafted. Last year, the staff really likes him. Remember, Jordan Wilkins no longer here. Marlon Mack in right. Houston. So it will be a new face behind Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. I'll go with Philip Lindsay. Um, Tyshawn Williams who came over from the Ravens in the offseason. He's a name to watch. A couple of undrafted guys as well. C.J. Verdell, Big Ten fans that watched that Ohio State-Oregon game from this past season will certainly remember him. Um, battled some injuries in his time at Oregon. So this is just always a battle that it won't get a lot of attention. It won't get a lot of headlines. You're one freak injury injury to Jonathan Taylor away from knowing that third running back and knowing them a whole lot. So right. I'll go with Lindsey and just saying you were behind bad offensive lines in Houston and Miami last year, and you should be very grateful to be behind this offensive line. So I'll go with him to round out a three-man running back group. For more offensive skill players on the outside, obviously many questions we've had this offseason about who the wide receivers are going to be. I think that's something a lot of Colts Nation is going to be focused in on. Who are the receivers that we keep and how many do you think we keep? Obviously plenty debate here, Chris. Michael Pittman, to me, Locke. Alec Pierce, Locke. Um, a healthy Paris Campbell, Locke. I think Ashton Doolin is a lock. So there's four. Now what do you do with those last couple spots? The names that pop into my head. Kiki Kuti, DeMichael Harris, Desmond Patman, Mike Strawn. Um, so I kind of look at a little bit of flavor of the month. What do you want? You know, how do you want to round out that group? Obviously special teams has got to play into it. And that's where Mike Strawn was such a, again, liability sounds harsh, but you know that's kind of what he was last year. On your roster, it's why he was such you know a healthy scratch a whole lot. Um, I'll go with Strawn and Patman to fill out the room, but Kuti and Harris have different body types. Harris has a little bit of special teams background, so a lot of it I think will depend on what do you want skill set wise, special teams wise to round out that group. I might be too big with Patman and Strawn, you know, rounding out that group. And also, you know, a lot's going to depend on can any of those four establish themselves at a, as a wideout that's just too good and too important to you offensively to pass up on. But I, I think those first four names, Pittman, Pierce, Campbell, Doolin, in some order, that's pretty Sharpie marker. The rest of the group's really a bunch of un, undrafted guys. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. That, that's how I look at wideout uh, with those six names. Yeah, not trying to derail the podcast and, and get into questions before we get to Twitter questions, but this is just me personally. Do you, we wait into a couple weeks of training camp before we hear more buzz about potentially getting Julio Jones based off what we see from these guys that you've mentioned just now? Yeah, you know, honestly, Chris, I think when training camp gets underway, July 27th, um, you occasionally will see a veteran or two signed like the day or two before training camp starts. Like, all right. There's no point in signing them now. I mean, it's not like there's any mandatory activities here in June into July. So um, I think the next time you would hear a whisper of a veteran, if not that day or two before training camp, 
I think you're waiting at least a week or two in a training camp. Okay. Based off, all right, the full pads have come on, and these guys can't break press, and these guys are really struggling to create separation, and or an injury happens. So, Julio, and then, like, you know, is T.Y. Hilton, is he going to retire? Is he going to end up somewhere? You know, that, I think, even if there's no specific Colts interest anymore in that, I'm just kind of curious what happens to his career. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and if he does indeed retire at, what, I mean, he's right around our age. I mean, he's 32, 33, something 33, like that. yeah, somewhere. Another uh, topic of interest that we've talked about, tight ends. Um, you know, we obviously went out and drafted – Drafted one, you know, uh, uh, Jack Doyle leaving. So we're, we're trying to, I wouldn't say necessarily have a crutch for him, but when you lose a veteran like that, it's obviously going on to a new regime. What tight ends do we keep and, and how many of those as well do you think we keep? Yeah, I'm going to keep four. And again, it could be a bit of a luxury, but I'll go with four here. Moali Cox, Jelani Woods, Kylan Granson, and Drew Ogletree. Um, six wideouts, three running backs. You know, you, you tend to group the skill players together mm-hmm. um, in adding up your numbers. Again, special teams is going to be vital for the back end of the roster, guys. I, I tend to think Mo Ali Cox, Jelani Woods, and Kylan Granson are kind of in the lock category. And Ogletree, I thought had a flash or two. Again, overall, I was disappointed by the tight ends in the spring, but I thought Ogletree had a flash or two. Um, so I think right now you've got room for both draft picks. 2022 to complete this group up front up front i should say let's get in the trenches the people that will be protecting matt ryan any offensive linemen that you think are going to surprise people or do you think it's pretty much chalk and how we go about the season yeah i don't think it's too chalky um i'll go with nine i know ballard is a fan of keeping at least nine potentially ten um, the guys that, again, I think you just put in, in Sharpie, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Danny Penter, Matt Pryor, Bernard Ryman. I'll round out the group with Will Fries, the seventh-round pick from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think gives you a little bit of position flex. I think there's some talk. Could he be competing with Penter at right guard? You know, what happens with the shakeout of the loser of the Pryor-Ryman battle at left tackle? Do they factor in a guard? The ninth guy, I'll go with undrafted. Um, well, I, I should say Dennis Kelly, the veteran tackle they signed Yes. Uh, in the spring. We didn't see him in the spring. You know, it didn't look to be super, super banged up, but he didn't participate. I would assume he is kind of your first tackle. Um, I still think you have room for one more, and that's where uh, Ryan Vendemark, the undrafted kid out of UConn, um, that's where I'll throw a ninth spot in there. You know, Jason Spriggs from IU, I think would be someone to keep an eye on. He started, has started in the NFL before, just came from Atlanta, ironically enough, mm-hmm. this past season. Um, so I, I, I think that's where I would look. Carter O'Donnell is another name of an undrafted guy from Canada a few years back who has kind of had a spot on the practice squad. But uh, that's probably where I would go with the nine. Uh, again, the last one on there, you could debate a little bit. But that top seven, eight, yeah, I feel pretty good about. It's just solidifying where exactly they fit. You know, any of them a starter, you know, the backups, who's your swing tackle, who's your first reserve. If Pinter starts at right guard, is he your backup center still? Can Will Fries play center in a pinch? So I think there are a couple of questions there that you have to acknowledge. 
All right, we did the offense. Let's jump to the counterparts, and let's start again in the trenches on the defensive line. Another thing that the Colts are looking at is we're trying to get pressure on the quarterbacks, and we know that we have some new acquisitions, and we have some young guys that are up and coming, at least hopefully. Who do you think we keep on the defensive line? It was kind of an annual thing um, where the D-line group has a lot of guys that have some resume. They were drafted relatively high. They've been an important free agent signing, or at least a notable for notable free agent signing. I'm going with nine D linemen, nine offensive linemen. I could again probably uptick this to ten. I know that seems a little rich, but we know what Ballard thinks of the trenches here. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Tyquan Lewis. Now Lewis is he a pup guy? We didn't see him in the spring. The patella injury. I don't think so, but that's something to keep an eye on. Yannick Ngakwe, Dayo Adangbo, Quiddy Pay, Grover Stewart. I'll round out the group with your two draft picks from this past year, Curtis Brooks, Eric Johnson. The last name, I thought Chris Williams, a defensive tackle that has kind of been in the mix, but I'm going to go with, is it Afidi Odangbo, the other guy that, other Odangbo they signed (laughs) just a few weeks ago. I'll go with him to round out the group. Now, again, am I a hair thin at defensive tackle? That's a question that I'm asking myself. With this, I'm cutting Ben Banigou. Um, so, Odangbo or Banigou, do you you know want more of an interior presence in Williams? You know, who can you sneak to the practice squad? Odangbo's a guy that has a little bit of a resume, and I, I do think kind of just a pure backup defensive end is not something the Colts definitely have. Again, Banigou hanging on by a thread. I mean, Dangbo just three years ago in Minnesota had seven sacks. Two years ago in Minnesota, he started 15 games. So, I mean, there is yep. a, a, a nice resume there. So I'll go that route over Banigou and then opt for the edge guy over the interior option. Okay. So, again, you can go to 1075thefan.com to read this article. We're going to work front to back on the defensive end. We just did defensive line. Let's go to linebackers. We obviously know about Darius Leonard, but clearly he's going to make the roster. Who other? What other linebackers are going to be joining him? You know, I, I'm a little small here. I'm going to go with five linebackers. Now, you'll notice I'm going to keep a lot in the secondary, so that's where I make up for it. And, you know, part of the five linebackers is just, again – Really only used two for long stretches on the field. So, Darius Leonard, Bobby O'Karake, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed. I think that's rather obvious. The fifth name I'm going to keep, and I I kept this guy right after the draft as well, and I liked what I saw in the spring, is JoJo Doman from Nebraska. Um, A pretty good resume there at Nebraska. Former safety turn linebacker. And remember, Jordan Glasgow just got cut. Mm-hmm. a few weeks back, been a special teamer out of Michigan. So you've got the need for a special teamer here. Uh, I know a lot of college football fans will recognize the name James Skalski from Clemson, hard-nosed dude yep. that, you know, if you're in a bar, you make friends with him very quickly. <laughs> um, Sterling Weatherford is the Cicero prospect, played at Miami, Ohio. Safety turn linebacker again. He's a name to keep an eye on as well. So I think this is where you've got room for the undrafted free agent to make the team, play special teams, and honestly dress. Um, So, yeah. On the outside, cornerbacks. We know a couple that we brought in. 
We know a couple that are going to be mainstays. There are a couple names that might not necessarily ring the bell of a lot of listeners because they're going to be new or somewhat new. Um, go ahead and tell us who you think we have at cornerback. Yeah, I'm going to go with six corners here. Uh, Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore, obvious. Isaiah Rogers, Brandon Faison, the new corner from the Raiders, falls in the, into that. To round out the group, um, I would go with Tony Chesley, who played some snaps for this team last year. I know he wasn't maybe the most household name, but he was kind of that extra nickel corner that the Colts did have. Um, this guy played more probably safety, Chris, in the spring than corner, but I'll put him here. Uh, that would be Rodney Thomas, the seventh-round pick out of Yale. Okay. Um, now, there are some other corners, I think, to watch that, um, again, not great household names, but if Gilmore's going to you know, be a little load management and, and you know, we'll see what happens with Kenny come training camp, some other guys could make an impression, but – I'll go with those six there. I am cutting Marvell Tell for the second straight year, but, I mean, he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Going to safeties, we obviously drafted Nick Cross. We got some good ones coming back. We had um, Kari Willis retire. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, so who, who do you think uh, we have back there on the back end? Yeah, you know, the last 53-man roster I did, Kari Willis was on the team. He obviously is not on it anymore. Um, I, right here, I'm keeping... You know, I guess five. Um, Julian Blackman, of course. Yes. Nick Cross. Mm -hmm. Brandon King, I guess you call a safety. He's really here to play special teams. Rodney McLeod, as you mentioned. Then Armani Watts, who was one of the earlier free agent signings, came over from Kansas City. So when you look at those numbers there, um, you, you probably have a number to play with somewhere. Is it that extra linebacker that gets you to six? Is it another body in the trenches that gets you to ten? That's probably the two areas that I'm looking for, an extra linebacker or an extra O-line or D-lineman there. Uh, but, yeah, safety-wise, you don't have a ton on the roster right now. I think Trevor Denbo, if I'm not mistaken, undrafted guy. He's the only one I'd be cutting. Again, Rodney Thomas could fit in here out of Yale, who has some position flexibility as well. Yep. Um, so I think those are some things to keep an eye on in the secondary. And we're going to round things out with what has probably been one of the better groups collectively the last couple years for the Colts and that's the specialist who's going to be our kicker long snapper and punter yeah obviously Luke Rhodes Rigoberto Sanchez and then right now Jake Verity is the competition for Rodrigo Blankenship if you are in the Blankenship family you are very happy about that Um, I looked up Verity's stats at East Carolina he was undrafted two years ago was on the Ravens practice squad this past year from longer than 40 yards, Chris, he was 23 of 39. That's not great. And that would be the one area that you would want to kind of upgrade from with Hot Rod. Yeah, uh, you want a leg. And remember last year, Rodrigo Blankenship against Eddie Pinheiro, neither dude missed a kick at Grand Park. So <laughs> I'm expecting Hot Rod to have a nice, you know, camp in preseason. Yet it's just kind of, it's going to be the elephant in the room when you get into the season there. You know, Michael Badgley didn't miss a single extra point in 12 games, 18 to 21 on field goals. I, I probably would have gone that route. And as we know with kicker, Chris, you see it every year. Late August, two or three kickers that kick really well in a spot go get a job in another spot. So Correct. I don't know. Maybe the Colts explore that route. Um, but yeah. 
All right, well, that's the 53-man roster. Anything else you want to add to that before we get to Twitter questions? No, again, that's something that, you know, cuts. They're continuing to do it a little by little, and they've moved the cups up, cuts up to those Tuesdays. So the first cut um, gets down to, I think it's 85 on August 16th. You get down to 80 the next week on August 23rd, and then the final cut comes just after that last preseason game, the Colts preseason schedule at Buffalo, home to Detroit, home to Tampa. That Tampa game is August 27th. You make a cut to 53 three days later on Tuesday, August 30th. Okay. Um, so those are the dates to keep an eye on. Yeah, and as always, continue to follow Kevin. He will have everything posted for you, 1075thefan.com as well, and listen to the morning show if you were here local. Let's jump to Twitter questions. The first one, Kevin, is coming from Finland. Oh, jeez. Wow. And, and this is Henrik, who I is a this. listener to the show. Henrik, great to hear from you, man. Thank you for sending. Says the situations in the Colts' pass rush is looking good at the moment. That being said, it seems that people don't have much expectations for Dio Dangbo, or at least everyone is staying very quiet about him. We all knew that he wouldn't produce much in his first year because of the injury. Now that he is healthy, should we expect him to be a more important part of the defensive line? And also, Kevin, what do you think his expectations are this season? Yeah, Henrik, terrific question. Um, you know, with a Dangbo, Chris, you kind of look at it and think, all right, injury, Achilles, hampered him big time last season. Is this his rookie year in a way? Should they have more expectations? Because, you know, he did get about half the season run in last season. With the Dengbo, I look at his role as this. Not a definite starter in your base defense. Yanni Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay at DNs, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, a defensive tackle. I look at the Dengbo as a guy that rotates in on passing downs. You're taking Grover Stewart off the field. You're bringing a Dengbo on the field. And really, when you look at that four-man group in that indie car package, Ngakwe, Pay, Buckner, you would think a Dengbo is going to get a lot of one-on-one chances. You know, I think he's starting to feel more comfortable, more confident, obviously, in his body. He said from a flexibility standpoint, he would watch himself on film and think, oh, boy, what is going on from last year? So, uh, Chris Ballard, Dio Dangbo, Chris Ballard infatuated with yeah. Dio Dangbo. I mean, that is right up there, maybe at the top of draft picks. Chris Ballard is loved. Um, so, he, he's going to get chances. He's going to benefit from other guys getting more more attention if you're going to make a depth chart. Probably not a starter starter, but again, just being versatile. This one comes from Brian. Gus Bradley worries me a bit about defensive coordinator. He thinks that he's going to be very similar to Matt Eberflus and not very aggressive. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, Brian, I think this is one of the, the questions I have defensively entering the season. If you listen to Colts players talk throughout um, the spring period, Chris, what you heard from them, the word that you heard a lot was simple. Not a word you love, you know? Now, it is year one of the system. You can't overload too, too much. But, um, you know, what do you do disguising pre-snap? I think that is something that I saw a little bit in the spring. Do you see some of that? Blitzing is not going to be abundant. It has never been kind of his MO. The cover three is going to be something that you see a lot. What I like with Bradley, again, is just that at each level, Chris, it's new position coaches, it's a new coordinator, and I think more of that, to me, has to do with game planning. 
and just do you get some fresh thoughts, philosophy in that room? Uh, again, you might not be crazy exotic on Sundays, but do you have a game plan, and are you willing to counter a little bit earlier in games? I felt like the Colts got too stubborn at times, and that hurt them on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, I, I, I want to try and make it clear kind of where things are expectation-wise defensively. Do not expect, you know, Baltimore Raven-type absurd, you know, blitz until, you know, the cows come home, that sort of thing. Um, but I do think there will be some things differently that you like, you know, the press coverage stuff, those sorts of things. Another big defensive name that's out there that Adam wants to know about, do you think the Colts would sign Indomitian Sue for a cheap one-year deal? Uh, I, I do not, Adam. Um, Indomitian Sue wants to play, and he wants to play a lot, so I would assume he will wait for an injury or something like that to develop at training camp before that move. I and mean, we just talked about a Dio Dangbo, Chris, like, where um, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner is a duo the Colts really like, and they should like, and they have invested in both of those guys. So um, I do not see that happening. Well, Kevin, we always love a projection question, oh, especially yeah. as we go into the year. This one comes from Paul. If the Colts offensive, if the Colts offense explodes this year, and Jonathan Taylor has two thousand yards rushing, Naheem Hines and Michael Porter, Michael Pittman Jr. have a thousand yards receiving. How many yards does a healthy all-year Paris Campbell have? So 2,000 yards for Jonathan Taylor, 1,000 yards apiece for Hines and uh, Pittman. Wow. Where's Campbell falling in there? Holy shnikes. That's a lot of yards, man. a lot man. of yards, um, yeah. Well, Chris, I, um, I has an NFL team ever done that? <laughs> because that's the first thing that kind of pops into my head. Um, I mean, 2,000 yards rushing in a season – yeah, if you're going 2,000, I mean, that's that's the one that's going to put put you over the top. Chris, just pulled it up, all right? How okay. many times do you think in NFL history someone has had over 2,000 yards rushing in a season? I'm going to say four. Eight times okay. it has been done. The latest being Derrick Henry in 2020, Adrian Peterson 2012, Chris Johnson 2009, Jamal Lewis. Shout I out to Jamal, about Jamal Lewis. Lewis. He looks like he liked a pizza or two in his I mean, day. he's a vol. Uh, 2003. Yeah, a vol. Great point on that. <laughs> uh, Chris, again, eight times in NFL history, I'd be willing to bet that team did not have two 1,000-yard rush – or, excuse me, receivers to go with that. So, Correct. Paul, um, to your point, I think that is borderline impossible. I love the projections. I love the thought, but I don't see that being realistic. Under your scenario, Paris Campbell would have <laughs> – I mean – 300 yards? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I don't. Boy, Naeem Hines having 1,000 yards as a receiver. Yeah, if I could take the 200 and both 100s, I don't care what Paris Campbell really does for me. Two to 300 right, yards, right? we should be good, right? Yeah. Always love the great names that we get here on Twitter. This is Pumpkin Pastry. I, I do love that. Now, pastries intimidate me. I don't like to go to restaurants and say, like, yeah, we have a pastry slice. You think it's too fancy of a word? Yeah, too... like, look at me. I just want a donut, dude. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookie? Right. Hello? Don't pastry me? No, I don't know. No. It's a cafe type, yeah. of, type of word. Too high end for me. So it says, first, fully agree with you on the need to keep draft capital for a future pick at quarterback. However, counter argument for keeping a first round pick for next year's draft, five NFL teams have two first round picks in next year's draft. Those will be the Eagles 
the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Lions. This doesn't include the fact that Atlanta will have a top three pick and also needs a quarterback. This means four of six teams with more draft capital and a high need for a quarterback will have their pick of the quarterback litter in next year's draft. So knowing that we won't be able to draft a top five quarterback next year, does that change your stance in going after Scary Terry? Well, obviously we saw Terry McLaurin sign the extension, um, but I think there's a lot of relevance to this question outside of that. Mm -hmm. Chris, he points out some really interesting points about those teams having multiple first-round picks, and think about how quarterback-hungry those teams are. Seattle, Houston, Detroit. What happens with Tua and Miami? Like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that is. I I hate kicking it down the road, but it further kind of reiterates the point that I've made of just like when you give up a draft pick in future years, and I get it, you know, Kari Willis whispers and Nick Cross and all that, but you're competing with some other teams that really need a quarterback. And it's not just a guarantee of like, oh, yeah, we're good. The Colts will get their quarterback next year. Well, there's other teams that want that quarterback. And it's the whole debate on, you know, and I know I want this to sound serious. I know it won't. But it's like, oh, yeah, just trade back every year and you'll collect draft picks for Arch Manning. The team that's drafting number one overall that year is probably going to want Arch Manning or insert whoever quarterback Correct. is the quarterback in 2026. It's no guarantee that you're just going to be able to trade up and be like, yep, uh, I want the guy and I'm going to get the guy. Um, that's just not how feasible it is. It, Chris, the Colts, I think, are just – they're in an interesting spot where they – you don't see this very often where a team has is super old – at starting quarterback and pretty old at the back of quarterback spot and doesn't have the young quarterback intrigue in the room. I mean, think about it. They're, what, 37 years old in Ryan, 33 years old in Foles, and then six-round pick, low-ceiling Sam Ellinger, and undrafted free agent Jack Cohn, who is very much a finished project in his skill set. It's an interesting quarterback room. It is. Um, pros and cons-wise, I think you can make that case. The con being, again, what is the young piece in there? Yeah. The pro being vast experience, professionalism, mental makeup, all of those things. Well, Kevin, this uh, this fall, Smooth Smith has, has himself quite a, uh, let's call it a vacation. I would call it a vacation. Road, right. trip, for, road trip for sure. Okay. Lives in Delaware, but he's traveling to Indy for the Sunday game versus Washington. All right, then, Tart Glenn Hall, uh, Ring of Honor game. Yes. 425-er, right? That's right, 425. Then he's going to Cleveland to watch the Bengals and the Browns on Monday Night Football the next day. Wow. Makes sense. I That's mean, a weekend. Yeah. His question is, what landmarks and cool places should he visit while he's in Indy? Thanks again for the great coverage. Well, Smooth Smith, the first thing that just popped in my head is on your way to Cincinnati. It's not ideally kind of on on your way, but you can make it work. Go see who's your gym. Go see where Hoosiers was shot. Yes. Coming through 70, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that's not 74, but, you know, you can kind of make it work there a you, little bit. So, I think I'd do that. Uh, Chris, feel free to chime in. You are a frequent visitor of downtown. Um, the Mass Ave area will be very popular, I think, to visit, depending on when you get into town. Um, the northern part, the Bottle Works region of yep. Mass Ave, 
Uh, the pins, that little bar area is kind of a cool spot. I just think if it's nice, walking on the canal is something that I would do, a little bit more stadium-centric. Yeah, those would be some spots. I think if you're coming in at that point, you could maybe time up an NBA game. I don't. That's late October, right? Doesn't the NBA typically start like mid-October? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you could do that. I'm sure there will be some Halloween-centric stuff as well. How out of the way? I mean, you've been there. I've not. How out of way? How out of the way would Canton be for him to stop and see the uh, NFL? Yeah, Hall of Fame? that that'd be impossible. Canton is Wait, Uber North. Uber North. Okay. Yeah. So. But I had, I had what you had, obviously Monument Circle, which is where we record. Right. right downtown, you want to see the heart of the city. The War Memorial's nice. You mentioned the canal. The Indiana, uh, the Art Museum is a great place to visit. If you Yeah, know. I was going to say, Google some indie museums. There's different flavors for what you want. Um, will that Back Nine Entertainment be open? That's a little bit further away, that kind of top golfy thing. I'm not sure if that's going to be open at that point or not. Maybe check that out. Again, that's something you can do in a lot of different cities, so yeah. it might not be indie-centric. Uh, but I'd look there. And just it, Cincinnati, I, I'd get down to Cincinnati. You know, I, my, I'm thinking here, I do Hoosier Gym early in the morning if you can. Get down to Cincinnati because I love that area around the stadium. And yeah. If it's a nice Monday night, you know that place can be rocking. And it's Bengals-Browns, so right. you're going to see some things, <laughs> uh, which I would that would entice me. Yeah. Well. And when you're down in Cincinnati, you don't have to stay on the on the uh, Ohio side. You can go across to Covington on the uh, Kentucky side. Newport, great aquarium. Yeah, so there's there's a lot down there as well. They've done a really good job of building up both parts of of the river down there. So yeah, lots of good things you're gonna see. That's just, a great trip. I just, love that. Yeah, just park and get out and walk. Really, honestly, you'll you'll you will find something within three to four blocks, no matter what yeah, city the you're walkability in. Walkability of those two cities, terrific. Yeah. So Ryan Geis in Cincinnati. I did my bachelor party there. Yep. Lost a lot of money. Jack's Casino. Let me know if you find <laughs> any of that. Smooth Smith, I would appreciate that. All right, the last question, Kevin, is going to be a fun one for us as we always try to round out the podcast with a fun question. This one's from Tanner. If you had to put a five-man zombie apocalypse team together, who would you put there? <laughs> Coaches and front office personnel can also be included. These are his picks. Quentin Nelson, brute strength. Ryman, military, some survival knowledge maybe. Jeez. Isaiah Rogers with the speed and stature. Michael Pittman, he can provide food. And Frank, <laughs> and Frank Reich can scheme and prep. Honorable mention is Jim Ursay because you got to think that he's got a secret bunker somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Tanner, Tanner, Tanner. This is outstanding. Um, Chris, I'm reading off his reasons and the people, and I'm like, wow, they all make sense to me. I, I almost don't want to change anything. Um, I got some changes. Okay, you have some changes. Uh, feel free to chime in. I would I, Kenny Moore is a guy that I would like. Uh, I know Isaiah Rogers makes sense. Uh, Kenny Moore or Naheem Hines, I'd, I'd like to insert somewhere there. Yep. Uh, who, who? What were your thoughts on that? So I'll go first, and then I'll let you follow up. I went Ursay because of the bunker. <laughs> I went Kenny Can you Moore. imagine what his bunker looks like? Uh, it's probably full of, like, Beatles, pianos, right? and stuff like that. All right, um, if you know Bob Dylan's lyrics, that's the <laughs> password. Ursay with the bunker, Kenny Moore, because he can do almost anything. Buckner, because if someone's coming through the door, I want a big guy. Smart. Big, strong guy. Bobby Okereke was an Eagle Scout. Oh, wow. You really did some research. Yeah, so I want Bobby Okereke. And Braden Smith, if you ever follow him on Twitter, he loves to do gardening and also likes to fish. He might be over Michael Pittman in your outdoors. 
item there. Uh, all of those are outstanding. And I got some of those. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Those weren't all me. Call okay. our, our good friend Casey Valier at the Colts. <laughs> I said, hey, you know more about the guys in the building than I do. Give me, give me a list of some players here. That does not surprise me. Casey on it, as always there. That is an awesome – what a great offseason question. With that. I like the zombie – Apocalypse. You know, we've had like the wrestling ones or right. a little bit UFC type stuff, but the zombie apocalypse is a little bit different. Uh, all right. Is that it? That's all we got. Yeah. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Chris Presley. Everybody have a great fourth. Safe fourth of July. A lot of travel. Stay cool. Um, enjoy the vacation time if you're able to get it this summer. And like I said, we'll take next week off from the pod. We'll come back that week of July 11th and continue right into training camp. And then it all begins July 27th at Grand Park. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, great 4th of July, and we'll talk to you a little bit later this summer. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.